Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. It's another beautiful day that God has made. My name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Mom Attrition. I'm a board-certified pediatrician turned motivational life coach. What's going on, y'all? Today we have another beautiful brown sugar baby, a black girl who rocks, and a smart one. I tell you guys, when I tell you that black people are the most educated people, black females especially, we, we put the cherry on top. This chica right here has got what not one but two freaking PhDs. Like what? Is she not even fifty years young yet? She's not even fifty years young yet. Okay, she's not even fifty years young yet. But so this is what I'm talking about. I love it when you just push yourself, and that's what we do on this light on this podcast. We talk about all our traumas, how we've overcome them, and what we're doing to stay so thriving. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome my guest. Her name is Dr. Wanda Harris. And actually, we met on Facebook, and she was just reminding me of why I asked her specifically to sign up for my podcast. Dr. Wanda, thank you so much. Good morning. Bienvenido. How are you, sis? Good morning, Dr. Lulu. It's so great to see your face this morning. I'm excited to be here with you and on your show. So excited. Thank you. Thank you. You gave me a little bit more honor than I have. I have only one PhD. I do have a couple of master's degrees, but just one PhD. Let me tell you something. Can I can I say something? You deserve more than one. And I don't oh. know anyone that has two master's degrees. I mean, you know what? Let's call it speed a speed. You are more educated than everybody in my neighborhood. So I'll take that, okay? I got one master. I don't have two. But the point is, this is something you have done. Like, it takes a lot to push yourself that hard. And this is what we are, and yet in this country, if I might just go there for a second, we're not even we're like half appreciated. But you know what you took to do the one purpose of the two purpose and another PhD on top of it. That's a lot. So, so yeah. thank you. Give yourself, honey. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love the snapping. Yeah, yeah. Snapping. We, we already started snapping before we went on the podcast. So that tells you that when I tell people, I said, look. I know it's about suicide, but it's it's a fun way to let people not think it's so heavy because you're here for a reason. You're alive. You made it. So we want to help other people. Mm. Like you just, just give yourself one more day. Just one more day and maybe, maybe you won't jump. So without any further ado, where do you want to begin, sis? Where do you want to, where do you want to start? Well, um, 
And um, as I had shared with you before, I can say, I will say about myself that um, uh, when I was in college, I had a, a former fiance, a boyfriend who um, who I witnessed to commit a uh, complete suicide. We say complete suicide. Now we don't say commit, we say complete suicide. Um, he uh, was a very troubled individual and I didn't know to what extent at that time. And I was sharing with Dr. Lulu, for those of you who are listening um, a while back, and she asked me to uh, get on her podcast today for that very reason. And I was 18 at that time. So I myself was a very young person, um, you know, and I did, um, you know, it was happened over a weekend on a Friday night, you know, and I just, um, I stayed home that weekend. Some friends of mine came and stayed with me. Uh, my dad, God rest his soul, if he was alive, you know, right now to this day, mm-hmm. he, would say, he was just so uh, sure that my best friend being at my house that night is what saved my life because he, he very much believed that that would have been a murder-suicide situation had I gotten in the car with him because he, you know, came with the intent to con- convince me to, you know, go with him. Um, you know, and, and trying to talk me to get back into the relationship and Oh my god. I so would wait, not. So wait before you even go any further. So it was like this was your boyfriend. You were- we had broken up, like uh we had broken up probably about a month before that. And we had been in a relationship. This was nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So this this is a while ago, you know, this is just last year in suicide prevention uh month, which was September. I posted about it on my um on my uh, business page, which I, for those of you who are listening, I would say I, I myself am a therapist. I work with adults um, and uh, couples um, as a, uh, a mental health therapist. I've worked in the field of mental health for 26 years now. Uh, you know, that's a big part of the reason that I've been, um, I've been doing this because, you know, that happened in my life. And, um, yeah, you know, even before that, my my own mother had some mental health challenges when I was growing up. So, you know, I wanted to learn more about this as a, as a, you know, as, as a field in general to help other people. So, um, you know, when I was uh when I was going through that relationship, I was right out of high school. So I was a teenager when I met him, though he was older than me. He was in his mid twenties when I met him. You know, um, and we, you know, like most relationships. It gets it on hot and heavy and goes really fast. And um, I was headed into college and he was a person that had never been to college and his life was kind of where it was going to be, uh, you know, at that time. And so, but as I moved on into my life, um, uh, into college, uh, it just became less and less appealing to me. And, you know, I decided that uh, I wanted to, to, and this can kind of, I know spiral into several topics. I know you're going to, want to ask me some questions but it's like um there was a bit of 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 domestic violence in the relationship you know and I know this is that month this is mental health awareness and domestic violence and those types of things in October uh you know and so um and those were the reasons that I was trying to separate myself from the relationship and he kept trying to get it back but last year it had been 30 years since it happened and that was the first time I sort of spoke publicly about it you know, and so I was like, this is, you know, this is just not, you know, going to work for me because I, I have to get out of this because I'm trying to finish college. I already was someone's mother. So I have a daughter that I had when I was in high school. So I was a teen parent. OK, so it's like this is this is not a good look for me. I'm trying to, you know, um, complete what I've already started. My, my folks let me 
you know, go to college after I had finished high school and all of this. So I can't be with this man that I feel like is really trying to stop my life from going in a positive direction. So I had to get out of the relationship. And so, you know, he was like not wanting to allow that to happen, you know, at that time. And so um, he had a child by someone else. He had a couple of children, but this the second person he had a child by, she was, you know, constantly trying to interfere with the relationship and things like that. And um, I just had had enough, you know, mm-hmm. and, and with her, she found somehow she found my my grandmother's phone number. I was living, you know, we had a extended family situation. My parents were divorced. So we lived at my grandparents' house. Um, my grandfather had passed away when I was in junior high, but we lived still lived there with my grandmother. She got our telephone number, this girl. She wouldn't stop calling us and those types of things. And so um, I just had enough. And so um, when I ended the relationship, you know, the end of the relationship was very ugly. It was violent. You know, it was him picking me up from school, um, you know, uh, just and on the course that the, where I was going to school at the time was, um, which is where I, I finished college and I got my first master's degree, which is what I am licensed and practice off of now, um, which is 1992, I graduated from. But when I left school that summer, he was the one that picked me up from college. This was in 1989. And so um, yeah, he was just, I have no idea what happened to him that day, but he and a friend of his came and to pick me up from school and you know, um, I think that he knew that the relationship was going in a direction, but he was just kind of having these fits, you know, um, uh, you know, about me being that far away from home. It was about two and a half hours away, 145 miles away from where I live. Um, I'm in Mississippi. And so this, uh, the town was about 145 miles away from my hometown. And, you know, in college, we have all this stuff, like we have our refrigerator, you know, you have microwaves and all that kind of stuff. And so when he was, when we were about 30 miles away from home, he threw all of my stuff out of the car, you know, and I, and we were just out in this really rural area, you know? And so, I mean, and here I am on the highway and it's about to get dark. That was very abusive. Very abusive. You know, and uh, right before that, he had, can we just celebrate that you even got out with your life? Your dad was right. Even oh, I, he was. This was this is this yeah. is how the relationship ended. That's what I was. That's the part I was telling. You know. Yes. Um, I think he hit me in the ribs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like right before that, I think I slapped him after that, and that's when he pushed pushed me out of the car, put me out of the car. And his friend, um, and he he pulled over to the side of the road, started throwing all of my stuff out of the car. You know. Um, and so his friend, I think, talked him into coming back. So he was gone up the road, um, and my dad would have had a fit if he might have. To this day, I don't think I ever told my dad about that until after he did. I don't know if I ever told him about it. I don't know if I, I never told my dad that he did that happen. Yeah. So if he did, yeah, I wouldn't have had that. You know, that's the funny thing we we say. A lot of black women get a lot of slack from black men, and I'm not trying to bash black men or anything, but the truth is, the number one killer of black women is black men. <laughs> and can be physically death or just emotionally death. I know I was married to a black man. I know what he did to my my psyche. You know, so it's mm-hmm. emotional or physical death, like like really. And then we are on this side 
trying to uplift them nonstop. And then they're on that side trying to kill us nonstop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like that. And sometimes we can be in a relationship, and that's how I tell my marriage was. So I understand that too. It's like you die a thousand deaths trying to, trying to yes, <laughs> with certain dangerous. you know. So, um, but um, his friend, you know, talked to him and coming back. I, I imagine because you know, within a few minutes, he came back before it got dark and picked up all of my stuff, and and we we rode on back home. My hometown is Natchez. Mississippi and um on the river and so we came back and um that was like a few more tussles and scrapes that day you know because I was trying to figure out what was going on with him and I never found out uh why he acted so ugly that day this was August of that year and I remember bipolar or something I mean I can only imagine how scared you were how frightening (laughs) you are you're 18 years you're by the roadside by yourself with all of your stuff I don't, I, I can't even put my head, I, I know your dad would have had a fit. I know Ooh. your dad. Oh my God. Let's just say my dad was a military sergeant who carried guns. Jesus. He would have been dead if he would have known that. <laughs> oh I, I, don't, I don't recall ever having that conversation with him. When I think about it now, I don't recall ever. He would have been dead and he would have been by his own hands. If I had so bad. I mean, we're, we're laughing at it now because, you know, God rest both souls because both of them have, have passed on. But yeah, my dad passed of cancer in 2004. I can just <laughs> see how your dad would have had a pure fit that evening. Yeah, he did. And uh, when, when, as a matter of fact, when he died, when uh, when Tr killed himself, my dad was at drill that weekend, and someone had to come and tell him. And I, I remember his reaction to it. He said he was talking about how somebody walked up to him in the in the in the kitchen because he was he he was the person that cooked, you know, um, when they were on drill at drill. And um, he said that he heard somebody saying his name, and he said. Oh, T.R. had a shot. And he said he started hollering and things saying, oh, Lord, don't give me a shot, my child. You know, and, and he didn't even hear the the uh, the end of it. Like, until they were trying to tell him, started telling him to calm down, mm-hmm. you know, saying, oh, you know, I was trying to tell, you know, and then he said it took a minute before he was um ready to go. And they, would, you know, had to calm him all the way down before he, uh, so he, I mean, and when he got to the house, he was still in his military fatigues and everything. Mm-hmm. So how, came how, did, that how did you manage? I mean, first of all, you witnessed it. And I know, I think if I remember correctly now, there was someone else in the room, I think, or with you in the house or something. There, there was a third person, right? My, uh, my, everyone was home. You they know, my child, who was a baby, who's now 34 years old, my daughter was there. My grandmother was there. Um, my mother was there. And like I said, my dad was at drill that weekend. And my, I can't remember if he had married my stepmother, my, um, my, my, this was my, well, this was his third marriage, my, my stepmother, that he was married to until he died. Um, they didn't have any children together. So, um, I, I think he married her that year, 1989. So he was aware of drill, but you know, my dad was, we all, we saw him all the time because he didn't live very far away. So, um, uh, my so best friend. To your house to, what, to kill you? I mean. This is that's what I'm saying. My my um my friend girl who was there from uh she went to a different college, and so we were just kind of hanging out for the weekend. We she came home from school. She you know you have friends that go to different colleges. We were home for that weekend, and so I think I came home on a Thursday, and I remember the night before that I had called him, and I was out with uh, uh I think I was out with that same friend, 
And he hung up in my face when I called him. And uh, after when he when he found out that I was kind of hanging out with friends or whatever, I called him from whatever place I was at, and he hung up in my face. So that next day, that next night, he went to a football game with his uncle and some friends of his. And so, you know, Friday night is football, high school football. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happened. He was coming from that football game. And two, his best friend and another guy that went to high school with him, they came by there. And so his intent at that time was that he was just thinking that I was going to just go hang out with him that night. And at that time, I hadn't really seen him like uh, hung out with him alone because this incident that happened in August that I was just describing. Now, his his uh, his mother was puzzled, too, because she didn't understand what was going on with him. Like, and I remember her having a conversation with her. Like I said, what? I said, what is wrong with him? That She said, I don't know. She she was talking about how he when he came in into the house because he still lived at home with his mother. Um, she said when he came through there, he came through in such a rush that he, you know, he drank a TV on the floor and the TV slammed on the floor and all of that because he was just coming through the house like a bull in a china shop type deal. So he was th- that this was the night that he um, the day that he had left me on the road and stuff. And so my mom, I ca- I went in her house and called my mother because, you know, this is before this is pre cell phone days. So we didn't have cell phones and stuff back then. That's right. So I, I called because I, I said, what happened to him? And then she said, I don't know. She said he said he's been mad and stuff like he's just like he's full of the devil today or something. I don't know. So um, but the, but a month later, fast forward a month later, which was September because it happened on September 29th. Uh, in, t- in 1989. So, um, you know, and I know the question was like, uh, how did I manage? But Tracy was there, my best friend, who she lives in Houston now. Um, but she was there and my grandmother, everybody was there. At the time when he got out of the car, he was asking me, he was talking to me about coming to hang out with him. And I was like, no, I'm not going anywhere with you. And so Fred, who was sitting in the front, he says that he says, "Oh, you know, I'm going to." Uh, I said, "Oh God, don't let him out of the car," because I think to myself, if he gets out, it's going to be a tussle. He's going to get out here and try to jump on me and all this. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, all of that was going through my mind. So, uh, you know, I when I remember when he said to me, because he had threatened suicide a couple times before that, and so in playing it back in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I was talking about. I spoke to him on my post. It's like, you know. Uh, I saw the things that he was doing leading up to that, mm. you know, and knowing in retrospect that there were several different signs. And had I known then, of course, what I know now, mm. uh, of course, I was just a child, you know, a teenager. So um, I had no idea the gravity of those things that was showing like, um, you know, that he had depression, that he he was violent, that he had all of these things that was showing. Um, and you know, men, depression in men tends to manifest in a different way than it does in women, mm-hmm. you know. And so, uh, that he was just really angry and he got into yeah. fights with people a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just you know, the stuff that was happening with me, he got into fights with men, you know, um, just over nothing, you know. So, um, he felt it, he just was very dark, you know, he felt he felt um, upset about stuff very easily. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, he had a friend who um, had committed suicide and he talked about that frequently, you know, he, and he said, he mentioned, he said, um, if things ever got too dark for me, this is what I would do. You know, uh, he didn't use those exact words, but he said, you know, I had a homeboy, I had a homeboy that did that, you know, and um, I always say if everything, if anything ever got too dark for me, too hard for me, that's what I, that's what I'll do. 
But, so, you know, just for a second, just going through what you said. So it looks like he was a troubled individual to begin with. He was. He, he was. had a troubled relationship. And this is almost perfect coming up in October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's good that we're talking about this to also, so we're doing, we're killing two birds with one stone. Oh my God, I don't want to use the word kill, but you know, the point is we're trying to, we're, we're able to tackle both things. A lot mm -hmm. of times, people don't know this, but a lot of times the trigger for suicide is relationship problems. So that's mm -hmm. a thing that also tossed into that mix, that little salad that we're already brewing here, or tea that we're brewing. They got the mm -hmm. troubledness. He was already troubled, got in a fight all the time. He had a friend who had died by suicide. And that right. was basically a suicide survivor. He threatened suicide, right? right. And it looked like he 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 was worried about you know consequences too much because you know he tossed your things on the roadside and drove off and then came back. So he was already, you know, it was just a troubled person. Troubled he was, people. and then he had the means. He had, and then a gun. He had the gun. Oh my God! He had a gun. He had a gun, and uh, which he brandished frequently. Oh you my know. God, that's scary for you. He brandished the gun, and so it's like. But you know, the thing about it is, like, I again was a person that it was like I, I didn't particularly think it was anything strange about that because it's like. Like again, I'm you know here I am a person. My father was a military sergeant. He had guns. My grandfather was a hunter. He had guns. So it's like I had spent my whole life around guns. I knew it was something that I shouldn't bother or touch or be worried about because I like I grew up in the house of a hunter. Mm -hmm. So it was something that I knew I had no business fooling with, because I knew I was taught I was taught not to fool with a, with a gun or go near them or anything like that when I was very young. My grandfather had guns. He kept right in the house. We knew where, we even knew where the bullets were. It was right there. But there was something we weren't supposed to be cool with. So can you, just for the sake of those listening, the day that he actually did kill himself, can you just bring us, if you can even remember, it's been 30 oh, years. Oh, I can remember it. Can you remember, can you describe his, his behavior, his mannerism that day? Because a lot of people, I mean, of course, everyone is different. But a lot of people miss the signs, like you said, we all miss the signs. But that mm -hmm. brings us to how was he comporting himself that day? That day. And so that's what I was going to circle back to. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Because um, coming back to that day, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, he he came over after that football game. And so his intent at the time was to get me, to, because this would have been something normal when we were in a relationship. It, it, you know, for me to be with him on a Friday night or something like that. So I guess in his mind, he figured that he could come by and maybe he could pick me up because like in that month time between August, when we had broken up that, you know, he had still been reaching out to me, calling and stuff. So, but I had been refusing to reconnect, you know, it's just like, I would have a little conversation and I'm like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. And so it was pretty much that same way, but he was, he was intoxicated. To answer the first question, um, he was he was drunk and he was a person that was a drinker too. And then he he could tend to have this personality when he would drink, to where he could be a little um, belligerent when he was drinking. So uh, he had been drinking, and um, when he came over, uh, you know, I came outside 
and uh, uh, we had these sort of stones outside of my grandma's house and we were standing, you know, on these stones. And so I said, uh, he says to me, you know, why don't you just come on and uh, whatever, let's, let's kind of go to the house and let's talk about things or whatever, you know, very just kind of, you know, staggering and stuff like that. And so I'm like, and that's why I was saying, oh God, don't let him out of the car. You remember I said that earlier, I was saying his friend, yes. because I thought to myself that I, I said, if he gets out of the car, he's going to be trying to grab on me and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I said, uh, I said, no, I don't really want to go with you. I, I, I need you to just get out my yard and leave me alone mm-hmm. type of deal. And so when I said that, he, I remember him throwing up his hands, like sort of, and he said something. Uh, and I, and I, when he did that, I sort of moved back because I thought he was going to swing, take a swing at me oh when I saw his hands come up. And then he says, um, Oh, so it's like that. You thought I was about to hit you. And so I think at that point, something shifted within him to where it made him feel, I don't know, he felt something bad because that that I didn't trust him. Yes, I can can see that. Yeah. When someone you raise your hand and someone does that, that's like, oh, you think I'm, you know, so bad. He obviously is a, he was a troubled soul. I mean, there's probably trauma dealing with his own traumas that were just never, you know, addressed. Maybe who knows? You know. Well, he had, you know, like I said, he had these two two previous girlfriends that he had kids with, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I know that these were the patterns of his relationships, the fighting and all this kind of stuff. And you know, when it's like when you do this kind of stuff, and somebody just wants to get away from you, yeah. and it's like, and um, I know that. I know I know that he really loves me. I did love him as well, but I didn't love that relationship. I didn't love all of those stuff, those things about him. Yeah. And so, and I was just not the one that was, see, and the other ones, they put up with this stuff, but I wasn't about to do it. I just wasn't the one that was going to do that. So, um, and I think that this, this revelation that he had in the midst of all this, like, wow, she really is not going to take me back. She really is not going to let me do this. And I think that in that moment, he sort of came face to face with all these feelings that he had had at different times about himself, you know. Um, but it's like, you know, when the person, you know, when people have these types of feelings, it's like they have they need to be able to have, manipulate you. When when they're saying when they're when they're violent like that, and it's like when, when they see that there's nothing to manipulate. Now, sometimes the anger can escalate. Um, and then they can be violent towards you. But in his case, it t- it turned on himself. And he, at that point, he got on in a car and then he shot himself right then. That's what happened. Yeah. I know he was, he was, he was probably also looking for love, in, you know, just trying to, just trying to get accepted. But I think I love the picture you painted for us. You painted a true picture well, you know, there's no doubt in my mind, just looking back, that he probably had some mental health struggles. Oh, but yes, definitely depression. Also being a black male, you know, toxic masculinity, not wanting to get help or not getting help at all, even if, or maybe, maybe he got help, I don't know. But also just the black community and just, just the reality of mm-hmm. out of your grandmother's house he having gone to a game, had been drinking, had a past history of just, just distress in his, just despair, as a matter of fact. Right. Different children, baby mamas. It's a lot. And then, you know, and then again, he also is, you know, abusive towards you. And then you have 
your own struggle with yourself. You know, should I date him? Should I not date him? I mean, is he going to hit me? Is he not going to hit me? I, oh my, I don't even know what to, I don't know if I'm even making any sense. Oh, I, I hear everything that you're saying because there was a lot in there. There was a, there's a whole lot of different lines of thinking. I mean, all of the stuff that I've, I've dealt with with that and then plus my own clients because I have, you know, several male clients myself, but all of these things since then has made me really want to be an advocate for men's mental health. Yes, and I've, thank you. I'm thank you. That that's because that's men that. do need a voice for that. Men do need a place to work through their things because it's, yes. it's really much harder to get them to come into therapy. Hello. Now, some of them when they that's come in, the things that that came out of that 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 whole thing. This this you today is probably one of the best things that came out of it. The fact that because mm. you, you haven't even told that's probably another day's podcast. Just your journey back to strength and. Funny and the trauma and the sleepless nights you would have had after that, and just your own mental, your own mental state, just seeing this kind of thing happen mm. in front of you, the guilt you would have also felt. I mean, come on, like I can only imagine. You know what? I don't want to imagine. You tell us, girl. How did you? How did you find your way to? being able to get two masters, a PhD, and be a therapist, and then helping others. You must be a, just a, an Amazon, for lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. No, you know, Amazon um, is, you know, like, is, as far as strength, mental strength. You know, it's a lot to pull that off. I don't know that I would survive it. This, this is me. I'm just being honest. Well, you know, um, there might be may have been some things that you have gone through that I might not have survived. I mean, you know, yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I will say that my grandmother's prayers were probably a huge part of that, um, first and foremost, because, um, you know, she just was this tremendous woman of prayer, um, you know, and and I, I was taught that as well. That's and that's who I became. Mm. Because that's you know where I was raised, and so uh, you know, like I said, seeing my mother's challenges and then being determined that I was going to be strong, and then deciding to go ahead and finish, being determined to finish because I was someone's mother, you know, just continuing to keep that in my mind, you know, and remembering what it was like, knowing what it was like all the while to have my mother not be as fully present as I had needed mm. because she had her own challenges. Mm. You know, I stay focused on, I'm like, I just cannot let this take me down because mm. and I felt angry. Okay. Dr. Lulu, I felt angry for a while because I was like, you know, I felt really angry that he had done that in front of me. I feel like he did that because he wanted to scar my life. He wanted to stop my life. Oh, and then, but that anger was fuel. It was fuel that they carried me forward for at least about two years. And then I gave out finally. But that two years kept me in college. You know, um, I, I went forward. I mean, it's like for that, that first semester, my grades were like a little funky. Hmm. But um, I was actually an accounting major when I was in college at first. But that, that served me because I problem solving is my thing. Because, you know, of course, I learned how to be able to do my taxes and all that kind of stuff. And so now I, do, I can do my own stuff for my business. But um, I finally found my way into psychology as a major, um, probably about my third year of college, which was 91, about two years later. 
But for that first two years, I was just struggling and pushing to keep going. You know, I was praying myself as well. Um, I, I had a lot of friends uh, that would stay around me. I would just I just kept up the regular college life. I couldn't sleep at night for a long time. I did about a year later. I did develop those migraines hmm. um, from just not sleeping. And at first I would dream a lot about him, you know, sometimes I would see him like shooting himself over and over again, like, shoot himself, you know, get up, shoot himself again, get up, mm-hmm. shoot himself again, get up, shoot himself. And it's like, there was nothing I could do to stop him from doing it, you know? And just recently I dreamed about him, um, here recently, for some reason, I guess probably because I've talked about it more. Oh, but because I it's coming on the podcast it. too, maybe because. Yeah, I mean, like in recent years, I've talked about it like on Facebook, like when people talk about suicide prevention and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like in my own life, I mean, it's like that was something that was kind of locked away. I didn't talk because I was like, I thought, I guess maybe in a way, I was sort of like, you know, I'm not going to give that the honor of being first place in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because that was his life and that was his choice to do that. And it's like, I feel like it didn't belong in the front of my life. And I didn't realize it until just now while I'm talking about it. But I think I'm pretty sure that's what I was doing because I was so determined to live and be and do and have, you know, because like I said, I to just not. Well, I'll tell you what, I I have learned so much from you and I know, I know there's more. I know because this, this. 30 years of just carrying all that burden. And I'm thankful, first of all, that you're here and you're sharing your story, that's one. And you said the word determination and I put two asterisks next to that. I cannot think of anything else except sheer determination to to land on your two feet. And that's what you said, that's basically what it is. And then you being a mom kind of was that extra oomph that you needed that just kind of kept you going through college and all the memories and even maybe to other relationships, because I can only imagine how that can scar you from all that, you know, guilt. I mean, I don't even know the combination of emotions you would have been feeling, even just moving on to the next relationship and then the next and then the next. Thank I you. didn't really have a relationship for about two years. Not two, I'm sorry, for about two years, like a real relationship, because I, I wasn't able to connect emotionally to anyone. It's like, I just had these sort of sexual liaisons for about two years. You know, um, that happened uh, to me because I was like, that was the best I could do. And I felt like outside of myself. But that's those are these are symptoms of PTSD. Yes. You know, it's like I was it's sort of a survival game that I was sort of engaged in. You know, I was just sort of kind of going along to get along. And so I would have these like little flings with guys. But, you know, everybody kind of does that in college anyway. Mm -hmm. So but me. Um, more so I would have like these little flings, um, these just short lived relationships from semester to semester. Hmm. And there were guys that, that really liked me. Some that I would kind of like, there was this one guy that was from my hometown. He went to a different school and um, I did really like him. I met him about a semester or so later and we were like kind of off again, on again. That that lasted for like a few years here and there. Um, and he was the first person that I kind of liked. Um, and uh, that finally stopped a couple of years later when I sort of recommitted, you know, spiritually like to, to Christ. And that that happened in like 91 or so. And like the next year and a half, um, I I kind of I was still kind of maybe, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out, partying a little. But around um, when I when I graduated from college, 
I really started getting more serious spiritually, you know, um, and then um, a lot of stuff just kind of fell off. And then I, I kind of started dating a little more seriously. I didn't really meet the person I married. I ended up having my two younger children, but I, I was really focused on my career more so than anything. And once I realized I was called to ministry was probably, uh, it was like the mid nineties or so. And then, mm. uh, you know, getting married, <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> I am now divorced, but, uh, it was, it was kind of like, that was sort of, you know, this goal that I've been divorced for about six years now. So, but there was kind of this goal that I had, like, and I thought that I needed that in order to be successful. But I had to kind of go through the whole process, you know, to realize that um, you can't you can't just pick one and go home <laughs> because that's not the way it works. I do have a question though. Did you ever get therapy along the way? Yes. Uh huh. I did. Uh huh. When I came to, um, oh God, yes, I'm an advocate. Of I want to um, bring that up because I know in the black community we still struggle with getting therapy. We still do. I'm not gonna lie. I and do not. Therapist, you know, I just wanted to make sure that people hear that, you know, you did it. Yes, you did it. You were determined and all that, but you also probably needed and thankfully you got therapy. I still have a therapist. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I myself am a therapist and I, I still have a therapist. And um, my therapist is a person, I'm going to tell you what I do because I've always um, been a person that I have always had strong connections in terms of like black women in my life and stuff like that. My therapist is a person that's a departure from that. Um, my therapist is a person that, um, now here lately, I've been seeing this other, this lady who is very similar to my friends, except that she's white. But, um, the person that I have that's been my regular therapist for ever since my divorce, he was someone that I went to, I'm pretty sure that he's a minister also. Um, he's a white guy who's a few years younger than me, but he was, a, a mar he went to like a theological seminary or something. But he's my therapist that I had when we were working through like the last little shreds of the marriage. Because you know how you go just to kind of see if there's anything you can fix. Yeah, yeah. And so, and when the divorce happened, I went back to him for post-divorce counseling mm. just to get reacclimated to being single and trying mm. to learn how to date again, and mm. you know, just to get my balance and stuff like that. And so, he's that person that I would see, um, you know, if anything kind of if I felt off balancing for any wellness checks and things like that and so I very much that's I keep a person on deck to for wellness checks and to make sure I'm not suffering from burnout and those time those kinds of things too because um we have to check even as therapists we take care of people all the time uh you know and so we have to check on ourselves to make sure and so when we have those places in our lives like maybe we go through a bad experience in a dating relationship or we have family challenges and, um, and, and things like that. And so, uh, here recently, here in the last year, I had some challenges in my relationship with my adult daughter and that were very hard for me. Our relationship got rock, very rocky. So those are things that can be talked about, um, during, you know, in therapy and things like that. So, you know, it's the, you know, it's just, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Amazing. It's, it's, so many levels of wins in as much as you know it, it's it was a painful growth process but we do have to just just remember that you know there's help out there and it's okay to get therapy oh my goodness and thank yeah. you so 
you know, there's even post-divorce therapy, pre-divorce therapy, during marriage therapy, all of that is so important. So where can the listeners find you? Where can they get to you? How can they get to you rather? I would like to write that down so we can, I can include that in the show notes. How can the listeners find you? Well, I am licensed in both Mississippi and Louisiana for anybody who's listening that is in those, in any of either of those areas. I'm thinking of adding a third state. It's probably going to be California, I don't, you know, because I have so much family there. But um, uh, my uh, my web address, my business is called Uniquely Yours Life Solutions uh, at um, uh, Uniquely, Life, Uniquely Yours Life Solutions LLC is the name of my business. Okay. But the website is uniquelyyourslifesolutions.com. And then um, I think you, if you do at Uniquely Yours, at, at uniquely yours 15 it pulls up my facebook okay and then um that has all of the information on there as well that i just listed so um they can reach me in any of those places that is uniquely yours life solutions.com and then at uniquely yours 15 i think it's the facebook uh business page if i'm not mistaken I can't, for some reason, I can't open this iPad. I will definitely find it and I'll make the connection. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, truly, I think I've got a new friend. I think so, because we connected from the beginning, even before we started talking and and, and we kind of ran out of time. But thank you so much for everything, for sharing your story. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and publish yours tomorrow, just because it's also the domestic violence. I think it's the last Tuesday in October. So why not include that? So I might actually do that. So please find me on Facebook. Otherwise, look for me sending you a message with the link for tomorrow so we can just kind of get it out already. And then you can share with your friends and let people know that, you know, there's help out there for people. And, you know, it's a sad story to begin with, but it's ultimately a story of triumph because you did triumph over that. So thank you so much. Do you have any words of advice for the listeners? Just one word of advice, because my next guest is already waiting. But if you have just one word of advice, I would love that for the listeners. Um, one word of advice would be um, make sure you um, strengthen yourself as much as possible with um, your, you know, try to keep a strong support system. You know, don't be afraid to get therapy if you need therapy. Um, you know, talk to those family members who who you know are helpful to you. If they are, if you have someone, if you don't have someone in your family, reach out to someone at your church. Um, if you have that, um, or someone in your community that's been around that you've known for a while, who you know will be a source of strength, and um, maybe they can help you to find the resources that you need to pull through whatever dark or difficult or challenging situation that you can be in. Um, you know, and um, I'm definitely open to be a resource for anyone. And we there's so so much out here on Facebook and social media now. Um, as uh, Dr. Lulu was sharing about those these different uh, groups and the pages that we have, you can reach out to us, and um, we'd be glad to help you if you're not in our area to find some some place that is. Well, thank you so much. That's so amazing. And I, I say this a lot on this podcast. I'm just going to say one more time. When people are uh, suicidal, a lot of times there's a cry for connection. And that's what you said. Find, get strong support system, stay connected, find a source of strength. All of that is just finding that person. And and then also allowing them to help you ultimately, right? Just allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to, to, to get the help that you need. Thank you so much, Dr. Wanda Harris. Thank you for having me, Dr. Thank you so much. I will find you on 
Facebook if you don't find me. I have an, another um, interview, but I'll we are friends on Facebook. Yes, I'll do that so I can. Yeah, so I can also send you the link so that we can become friends, and then I can send you the link. So look for me on Messenger today. Okay, thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. Have a great one. Yes, ma'am. Bye.